It's what we were saved by. It's what God offers to us every day. It's his empowering presence for us to be who he has for us to be and do what he has for us to do. The Bible says that in our weakness, his grace is made full. Amen? Well, God is so good. We're going to dismiss any of the children that are still in here. They can head over to the children's wing, to the res kids wing. Um, any youth still in here? I think they're all out. Uh, the rest of you, go and greet someone, welcome them, and bless them. I have to tell you that I am, I am so blessed by the messages that I heard the last two weeks. They were awesome. David, where are you? There you are. What a great message. You encouraged me. You challenged me. Thank you for sharing the word of the Lord. And, and Dennis did a great job, too. I was really encouraged by what he had to say. Very timely message. You know, we are, we are so blessed here because God always meets us with, with his goodness and his grace. You know, one of the things that you may not realize is that, um, and Dave, you mentioned it, that we don't talk about what you're going to do, and I don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what I'm going to do. God knows what we're going to do. But in the services, you know, this morning you're going to see that the songs that you sang were setting you up for the message that God has for you today. And even with Jeremy, Jeremy, I didn't know he was going to share about uh, Stuart and Chantal, but uh, I have a message for you from them. When Debbie and I were gone, we, we had a chance to go down and see our son and daughter-in-law and two grandchildren, and it was awesome. And uh, they live in Atlanta, and it happens to be the same area of the country that Stuart and Chantal have a, a home in when they come back to the States. And Debbie and I were out driving, and uh, Debbie said, you know, we ought to call Stuart and Chantal and see if they're home. This was just all of a sudden. And she got a hold of Stuart, and Stuart said, you know, it's funny, because we, uh, we got all our work done this morning, so we'd have this afternoon free. You want to come over? So we went over and, and uh, had a meal at their house and had a great time of fellowship. And, and Stuart, when I was talking with him, he said, you know, tell the people at ROC, thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being a partner with us. And they really do appreciate you. So thank you from Stuart and Chantal. I also want to clear up something. Uh, Jeremy was talking about the fire trucks here. Did that cause anybody a little concern? <laughs> well, you know, um, we, we came in this morning and uh, Jeremy walked into the Quest Wing and said, geez, you know, I smell something. I don't know if that's gas or not. Does that concern you? 
And so I went in and I didn't smell anything, but a couple other people went in and they smelled something. So we, we called 911 and the fire trucks came out and they went in and checked it all out. And I just want to report, it had nothing to do with gas. There was something in one of the garbage cans that smelled. And so we're safe. The garbage is out. Everything's clear. We're, we're good to go. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because I sat there and as Jeremy was sharing the little bits that he was sharing, I realized that the enemy could use that to cause people to begin to be afraid or at least worry or, or concerned. And, and, you know, the enemy really works on us with fear because that's what he wants us to get into, fear. And uh, somebody in the first service said, you know what that means, false evidence appearing real. And I've heard that said. But you know, there are some things that we look at and we can see out there and they could cause us some concern if we're facing them on our own. And uh, we need to realize as Christians, we never face anything on our own. But God will let us do whatever we choose to do. If we want to try and get through something on our own, he won't force himself on us. He'll be there, ready, willing, and able to help us at any point if we'll turn to him. And just as we said this morning about grace, you know, his grace is sufficient. In our weakness, his strength is made full. His strength, his strength is his grace, his empowering presence to be what God has for you to be and do what God has for you to do. It's not something we can do on our own. But God is more than happy, wants so much to be involved in our lives, to make our lives something far beyond what we could ever cause them to be and cause people to take notice of what's going on in our lives. Jeremy also mentioned about 9-11, 20 years ago. I, uh, Debbie and I were watching a, uh, a special uh, on 9-11, and, and one of the things that was brought up was that there are so many people, younger people, that don't really know what 9-11 is. And uh, it's interesting because Debbie and I, whenever we, we think about it, we know where we were. We weren't together. She was in Pennsylvania. I was here in Rome. And uh, to have what happened that day 20 years ago changed America. It changed a lot of people's lives. One of the things that happened that was so much a part of that was that there was a new uncertainty a new fear, a new concern, because nothing like this had ever happened in our country before. We had never been attacked from outside. And when I say outside, I'm talking about uh, people that, that uh, were not indigenous, but they were, they were looking to destroy America. And what began to happen right after 9-11 was churches began to fill up like never before. There were more people reported in churches than there had been in, in years and years and years. But also what happened as time went on, the fear started to fade and those that came in because they were afraid left. And when I talk about fear, when you think about fear, when you become afraid or I become afraid of something, how does that work in us? What, what does it cause to happen in our lives? When you're, you're looking at something 
and, and you become afraid or you're thinking about something and you become afraid, is it an expectation that you have, an anticipation that you have of something happening that's going to be bad? Isn't that what fear is? And how many times have we had moments where we've been afraid, when fear has begun to grip us, and what we expected or anticipated happening that was going to be bad never happened? See, I think we've all experienced that because not everything we fear comes to pass. But one thing about fear is every time we fear, it affects us. And, and it reveals something that's going on in us. And, and today we're going to be talking about the antidote for fear or the antithesis of fear. Fear is an expectation of something bad happening. And, you know, it happens all the time when we sit and watch the news or hear reports of all sorts of things going on. Isn't there a tendency for us to wonder, I wonder if that's going to happen to me? I wonder if that's going to happen in, in my town or in my home or in my family? See, the enemy wants to get as much mileage out of that as he can. And we have to be as wise as serpents and gentle as doves because the enemy is going about, it says, like a roaring lion. If you hear a lion roar, what's your immediate response? <laughs> one, one over here said, to get my gun. <laughs> But we, we, we want to do something because we're concerned about what might happen. And the enemy is always trying to get us in that place of fear. Because when we're in fear, we can't be in faith. And whatever is not of faith is sin. We miss the mark of God. We get robbed of what God has for us. And that's what the enemy does. He's out to rob you of what God has already prepared and provided for you to have and for you to be and for you to do. And in that moment, we have to make a choice. And if we don't know God, then we have no choice. We're just going to react. But we who know God have a choice, and we're going to talk about that choice today. Uh, God's Word says He's not given us a spirit of fear in 2 Timothy chapter 1, but one of Power and love and a sound mind. Now, that word sound mind, that phrase uh, also means to be self-controlled or to be disciplined in mind. And, and we were taught last week, we were encouraged by Dennis about what we think, our thoughts, and how we need to take captive our thoughts and, and continue to focus on what God has said and and think on those things that are lovely and pure and virtuous and good report. Think on those things that God would have us think on instead of what the enemy would have us focus on. Because contrary to popular belief, we can only focus on one thing at a time. And so if the enemy can get our attention, he's drawn our attention away from, from God. And we're going to look today and see if if fear is an expectation of evil, what God has for us to have is an expectation of good. Because God is good. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from your Father above, in whom there's no variableness or shadow of change. That means God's not going to change. He's not going to give you good one time and bad another. God can't give us bad because God does not have bad. 
every good and perfect gift. God's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. God's promised he'll work all things out for good. See, there's a theme here. God's a good God. God's going to work things out for good. God provides good. And so when we focus on God, we can have an expectation of good. And if we live our lives focused on God, expecting good, it doesn't matter what we face in this world. It'll never, never rock us. It'll never overthrow us. Well, we may get tripped up, but we get back up because we have an expectation of good. If you know something's good, good is coming, will you just lay down and quit? No. Because if you know it's good and it's better than you could get on your own, you're going to do everything to continue on until you see it happen. And that's what God's people need to be doing in these days. We need to continue on in the darkness and the depravity of the world that we're in because God is going to reveal himself in a marvelous, miraculous, glorious way through you, the body of Christ. The Bible says it's Christ in us. That's the hope of glory. There is a glory that's going to be revealed in these last days. And it's not going to be in the skies. It's going to be in the hearts and lives of God's people, of you, of me. And today we're going to talk about an expectation of good because this expectation of good is what we call hope, biblical hope. And before we go into the scriptures, uh, I just want to pray. So if you bow your heads, Heavenly Father, <clears throat> We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your provision, your plan, and your power that is unequaled, unending, and that is for good. Father, we desire to hear from you because we know, as we do, Father, we'll be encouraged. We'll have an expectation of good. And so, Father, we thank you today for your word and your spirit, that you would speak to each one of our hearts and our lives and our circumstances and help us to see what your plan is, your plan for good, not for evil, with a future and a hope. And so, Father, right now, we thank you for hearts that are open, ears that are attentive to receive your word, and as your word is hidden in our hearts, we'll not sin against you. Father, faith will rise up in us. A hope will increase. And Father, we'll have an expectation of good no matter what we face. And we thank you, Father, for all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So this fear, before we go to the scripture, this fear is something that, that really has an influence. And, and I want to tell you and give you an example, a real-life example of how influential fear can be. There was a professional thief whose name stirred fear in the hearts of people. They were terrorized whenever they heard this. And, and this was over a period of 13 years. And this person that was a professional thief uh, would rob from one company 19, 29 different times 
robbed the riches of this company. Now, he did it without firing a shot. His weapon was his reputation. His ammunition was fear and intimidation. A hood hit his face every time he would rob this company. No victim ever saw him. No artist never sketched his features. No sheriff could ever track his trail. Black Bart was his name, and fear was his game. But the interesting thing about Black Bart, when the hood finally came off, there was nothing to fear. After the authorities finally tracked him down, they didn't find a bloodthirsty bandit. They found a mild-mannered druggist from Decatur, Illinois. The man the newspapers had pictured storming through the mountains on horseback was in reality afraid of horses. So he rode to and from his robberies in a buggy. The company that he robbed was Wells Fargo Stagecoaches. His name, Charles E. Boyles, the bandit who never once fired a shot because he never once loaded his gun. Fear was what caused people to just give over and give up. That's what fear is designed to do in our lives, for us to give over the riches that God has given us and give up the provision and plan that God has for us. And if the enemy can rob that from us, he doesn't just rob us, he robs our families, he robs our neighbors and our friends, he robs our co-workers and all those God has designed for us to impact and influence to the kingdom of God. But the antidote to fear is hope. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, in the NIV translation, it says this, <clears throat> But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, there's so much in here, and we're going to go through some of this, but it says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Um, the original translation uses the word sanctify. And to sanctify something means to set apart, to set alone or above or before everything else. And so we're to set above and before everything else, Christ as Lord in our hearts. And this is a constant struggle for all of us. There are things that want to rise up in our lives to become more important than the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to guard against that. The moment anything becomes more important than the Lord, everything is out of order. And we'll not be able to have what God intends us to have. And so we need to keep Christ as the preeminent one in our heart. The Bible says that, that Jesus is supposed to have the preeminence, the first place in all things. And when it says preeminence, it means first place in order and in influence. There shouldn't be anything that ever comes before the Lord in our lives. And there shouldn't be anything that influences us more than the Lord. And so this tells us this is the way it's supposed to be. And always, when that happens, 
there's going to be something that is visibly revealed to the people around us that's different from them. The Bible says we're in this world, but we're not of this world. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. All the resources of heaven are ours. All that God has, all that God is, all that God can do is available to us. The Bible says that he doesn't hold back any good thing. And yet, why would we fear if God is our focus? We wouldn't, but we get tricked into looking at something other than God and becoming overwhelmed by it. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. Be prepared. If I were to ask you today, what makes you different? What would you say? Now, I know we're in church, so obviously the answer is Jesus, right? God makes me different. But if I were to catch you, or somebody was to catch you just passing by and said, what makes your life different? Would you have an answer? Because I'm going to tell you I didn't. You know, I mentioned that we were in Atlanta. I, I did some growing up there when I was growing up and. And out of high school on my way to college, I worked in a restaurant in Atlanta. And uh, I was caught off guard by that question. What, what makes you different? I had two people ask me that in the restaurant. It was one of the waiters and one of the hostesses. They were married. And, and they cornered me one day before we got busy. And they said, there's something different about you. And I thought, oh, what are you talking about? They said, we don't know, but there's something really different about you. you. You do things different. And I thought, we all do things different. They said, no, you seem to care about people and, and you help people. And, and I thought, well, you know, people do that. And I didn't know what to answer them. And they finally asked me another question. They said, are you a Christian? And I was embarrassed because I hadn't even thought about that. But even though I didn't think about me being a Christian every day I went to work at that restaurant, they were seeing Christ in me and they didn't know who he was or what it was. And it caused them to want to know. I'm going to tell you something, that as a child of God, you carry the presence of God with you everywhere you go. You're not normal. Now you know why you are the way you are. <laughs> no, you're extraordinary. The creator of the universe, almighty God, lives in you. You are different in a very extraordinary way. And it shows to people and as we live our life, having Jesus as the preeminent one, him being the only Lord of our lives, the most important, most influential, number one in our lives, people are going to notice that and they're going to ask you. Because you're going to be living your life in a way that's different than they're living their lives. 
We're living in the same world. We face the same struggles. The same fears that come to them will come to you. But because of Christ, there should be no room in us for fear. Because we have hope. The reason for the hope. And that hope, the definition of that hope is a confident expectation of good. A confident expectation of good. What are you confident about? What are you absolutely locked down sure of? And I ask you that because most of us would say, I don't know anything that I'm absolutely sure of except for God. And some of us would say, and I'm not even sure of God. But if we're children of God, we need to get sure. We need to be locked down sure of who God is, of what he's said, and what he'll do. Because when that happens, you can face anything and everything and have a confident expectation of good because you don't face it alone. You don't face it alone. That, that word hope is not just a confident expectation of good. It's a trust, and it produces a security. Now, in our world, do you see a lot of secure, stable people? No. And we can be among them, but not be like them. And it's not because we're better. It's because God is best. And he'll do things in our lives and their lives if they'll let him. And the only way people are going to turn to God is to see him without recognizing him in you, in me, in us. And we're going to have to give this answer for the hope that we have. Why do you have a hope? Why when, when the economy is bad? Why when there's a pandemic going on? Why when the upheavals that are going on are going on? Why do you have a peace? Remember Dennis talked about peace last week. God was setting us up to realize that he has so much for us. In this world, Jesus said, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. That means that everything and anything you face, Jesus has already conquered. Let that sink in. That means the next time you face something that's bigger than you, you need to recognize you don't face it alone. You need to have a confident expectation of good. And you know who's good? All the time, God. A confident expectation of good or a confident expectation of God. That's the hope. A hope that never runs dry, never fails. You know, even in the songs this morning, the first two songs we sang about hope. In the baptism, Maritza, Maritza? Maritza witnessed to us about the shirt she had that said hope as an anchor. God knows what we need, and God knows when we need it. 
And I don't know what you need, but I know this is what God put on my heart and started to speak to my heart a few weeks ago. And I have been going before God, and he's been helping me see where I'm allowing fear in instead of allowing hope to rise up, a confident expectation of good. Because I have a, a probably a fairly good handle on the word of God. Now, I've been studying it for a long time. And I know a lot of what God's word says. But there's a difference between knowing what it says and believing what it says. And we have to believe. We have to choose to believe it. But this says we need to give an answer for the reason of the hope that we have. And then the way we do it is with gentleness and respect. You know, it's been heartbreaking to watch over the last year and a half Christians act unchristlike. And how we'll deal with people and interact with people, but we have no love. We're, we're, we're not gentle, we're not respectful, and we learned in the series that we just got done with that I was sharing with you about love and how it is merciful and compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient and forgiving. And it's almost like we've forgotten. we become so enamored and, and so passionate about certain things that they've risen up to the level of idols. And we've left behind the characteristics of Christ. And we will never win anyone. We'll never lead anyone to the Lord not acting like the Lord. But this is one of the ways the world is going to see something that they need desperately and continuously. Because in this world, it's not going to get better. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, the prophetic book of Isaiah, that in the days that we live in, that good is going to be called evil and evil is going to be called good, that light is going to be called darkness and darkness is going to be called light, that darkness is going to cover the earth and gross darkness the people. And we're seeing this happen. And when you're in darkness, you become desperate. And when you become desperate, and you don't find what you need, hopelessness begins to grab a hold of hearts. And that, when that happens, people become discouraged, distraught, depressed. If you have hope, depression can't find a place in you. So we have to be able to give a reason. We have to be prepared for everyone who asks us. That means they're seeing something in your life and my life that's different, something that they're being drawn to, and they don't even know what it is. But we better know what it is. I'm embarrassed that I told you today that there were people that asked me what was different, and I didn't know the answer. And I will tell you from that day on, I was determined that I would never have that happen again. And I don't want that to happen to you. And I'm telling you, as the days grow more desperate and dark, people are going to be looking for something that will help them have hope in the
these desperate times. And the hope that they're looking for is the hope that you have. That confident expectation in God. And, and how are they going to notice this in our lives? Well, hope has an effect on us. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, it tells us, and this is where your shirt comes in, this hope we have is an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast. So this hope is an anchor to what? Our soul. We're a three-part being. We are a spirit. That's who we really are. We have a soul and we live in a body. And when we receive Christ as our Lord, we are made alive in our spirit, reconnecting to God, who we should have been connected with all of our lives. But because of sin, there was a separation between us and God. But we're reconnected and we're made alive and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And there is an ongoing work that is in this lifetime, something that we are to partner with God in to work on to see the victory in, and that's our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And, and that's where our thoughts come in, where we choose to live the fruit of the Spirit instead of the flesh. And our bodies, at some point in the future, God is going to give us a glorified body. That's His doing. But here and now, the work that we are to be partnering with God in is that work in that soulish realm, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our emotions were given to us. They're not evil. They just can't lead because they can't be trusted because our emotions change so quickly. Our will needs to be given over to the will of the Lord. Not my will be done, but Father, your will be done. In our minds, Dennis shared this, that we're supposed to think on those things that are lovely and pure and virtue and of good report. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ and we can choose what we will think on and we're to take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. That means when something comes into our mind that is not in line with the Word of God and the Word of God is true and what does truth do? It sets us free. When that comes in and it's not true, it's meant to rob from us to limit us, to bind us up, to put us in fear. And so we have to recognize that for what it is. It's not true. I don't receive that. And then turn and replace it with truth. And as we do, we'll have hope because we get God in the picture. When God is in the picture, there's no fear to be found. Because God is love and that perfect love casts out all fear. If you were standing before something that you couldn't conquer, but all of a sudden somebody walked up and had the provision to not just conquer it, but overwhelmingly conquer it, would that ease your fear? Sure it would. But that happens every day, all the time, in every situation, because God is always there. A confident expectation of good. But we have this hope as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast. Those two words are very important. The word sure means safe, secure, certain, tested, 
and reliable. God is tested and reliable. Will God fail you? He can't. God has never failed, and he's not going to start with you. I don't know who it is here today, but that was for you. You need to realize God is not going to fail you. He can't, and he won't. And if it's not what he said, if you don't see what his word says, then he's not finished yet. The Bible says through faith and patience we inherit the promises. We have to stand. Stand in faith, believing before we see it, because it's pleasing to God. That word steadfast means stable, firm, immovable, does not waver or fail, faithful and trustworthy. The Lord's coming again, coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Do you know that on him, there are two words written. One is faithful. It's written on him. He is faithful. 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 You can trust him. You can count on him. We have never met anybody like him. But we can trust him and count on him. But this is an anchor. Now, when I say the word anchor, what comes to mind? A boat. But it's not the only place we have anchors, but that seems to be the predominant focus. When, when you are out camping in a tent or you put up a tent in your backyard, do you have anchors to keep it down so the wind doesn't take it away? Right. Well, anchor, I thought about boats too. And, and one of the things that in my growing up, I was uh, living in Maryland. Uh, my family was there, my brother and I. And my mom and dad, and we lived right near the Severn River. And the Severn River emptied, emptied out into the Chesapeake Bay. And uh, I, we learned about boats and we learned about anchors. One of the things that my brother and I were supposed to do every Saturday in a certain period of time during the summer was we would go down to this little dinghy that we had that was about eight feet long. And it had a seven and a half horsepower motor on it. And we would get in this dinghy and we would have our anchor and we'd have a bushel basket. And we would go out into the Severn River, and we would stay out in the Severn River until we caught a bushel basket full of crabs. Now, if the crabbing was real good, we wanted to stay right where it was. And to crab, if you don't know what it's like, we would buy all sorts of uh, chicken parts. And the nastier, the better. And tie a string on them and let them down and leave them there for a little bit and start pulling them up and then get a net and pull up the crabs that were hanging onto the chicken that nasty chicken, and then we take them home and we cook those crabs and eat them. But they were really good, even though they ate that nasty stuff. But we would, we would go out, and when we found a good spot, we would drop an anchor. Now, the anchor for our little uh, eight-foot dinghy was a mushroom anchor. It was about that big around, and it had a round head and a little pole sticking up, and we would tie our, our rope to it and just drop it down. And it would keep us in that spot until there was the tide that would come in. And sometimes it was because of the rain that had happened. There would be a, a swifter flow in the, the river, in the Severn River, and our anchor would drag along the bottom. And it wasn't sufficient to keep us in place. Now, we also had a 24-foot cabin cruiser. And that anchor was much different. That anchor was bigger, it was heavier, and it had two big prongs on it that 
when you let it down, it would sink into whatever it was on top of. And the more you pulled on it, the deeper it dug in. And I'm telling you, that's the kind of anchor that hope is for us. In the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul was on a boat. And on that boat, they hit a storm. That boat threw out four anchors. You know, there are all sorts of storms in the world that you and I are living in. And we need anchors, these anchors of hope. But hope is a confident expectation of good or of God. And we have to have specifics because if we have a confident expectation of good or of God, that's really what the Bible talks about. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have to have the word. We have to know what the word of God says about who God is, how faithful he is, about his promises to us of what he's given us, what we can be and what we can do. And if we don't have that, we're not going to have real hope because we don't have real faith. And that's where we have to begin to really build into us the word of God. To the place where we have studied it, we have meditated on it, we have memorized it, and more than that, we'll see this in the next next scripture, we believe it. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it tells us that the God of all hope will fill who? Help me out here. Right. It says you, but it's really, we can all say me. May the God of all hope fill me with what? Hold it. With all joy and peace in believing that you may, you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God has his part. You know, this, this life that we live, this Christian walk that we live every day, it's a partnership. God has his part, and we have our part. God will not do our part. Can he? Yes. Will he? No. And we cannot do God's part. And so that's where we need to realize what our part is and what God's part is. In this, what is God's part? God will do what? Fill who? Us. Me. God will fill me. God will fill you. God is providing this filling for us. He'll fill us with all joy and peace in believing. But he's the God of all hope. This hope comes to us. It begins to manifest in us as a security, but it also is a joy and a peace. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. What do you need when you're in a difficult situation? Strength. Strength. And, and that joy is our strength. That word joy also comes from the root word grace. Remember singing about how his grace is enough? 
His grace is available to all of us, but we have to be humble enough to receive it, to realize we can't do it on our own. But he'll fill us with all joy and peace, and, and you and I learned last week from Dennis about that peace. But what's it say? In what? In believing. In believing. One of the things that we as Americans have a challenging time with, we know more of God's word. We have heard more of God's word than many people in other countries. Even the pastors, we've been exposed to more of God's word and taught more of God's word than many of the pastors in other countries. But what are we doing with it? It's not about how much we know. It's about how much we believe. And the Bible talks about the good fight of faith. And what is the fight of faith? The fight of faith is coming from that place of knowing what it says to absolutely possessing and saying, it's not just what God says, it's what God has said to me. It's mine. When you and I get to that place of truly possessing and owning it, believing that it's true for us. And we have a challenge with that many times because we don't believe we're worthy. We can't understand how God would do that for somebody like us. But listen, God has loved you with an everlasting love. God has given everything dear to him. He gave his only son because he loves you. And wants you to be able to experience the abundant life the joy and the peace, the confident expectation, no matter what you face, no matter where you find yourself, what is opposing you, that you realize God is there and God cares and God wants to bring you through and into as more than a conqueror in all these things. That you would abound, abound in hope. This breeds even more. When you begin to believe, I begin to believe, really hold on to and take personally these things that God has said that he would do and said he is and said that you can be and you can do and you can have. In that moment, that hope, that confident expectation of good causes you to be so firm, so grounded, so secure, so immovable in the currents and the tides and the storms of the world. That's when you begin to be what the Bible says is a peculiar person. You become an anomaly in a great way. People are looking at you and wondering, how can you go through this and have joy and peace? How can you go through this and have a confident expectation of good? And unlike me, you'll have the answer. When they say that, how can you do that? Because I have a hope in God. I have a confident expectation of who God is, who he is to me and for me, and what he's promised me. And God is not a man that he would lie. See, this isn't just about your life. It is about your life. God wants your life 
to be an advertisement for heaven, for the abundant life. But God wants your life to be so different that it causes people to want to know how. And the how is a who. And his name is Jesus. And says that we would abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is there to empower us to live a life that is supernatural. The fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the self-control reveals itself in our lives as we let Holy Spirit have His way. And one of the things that Holy Spirit is, is His ministry is to do is to lead us and guide us into all truth, the Word of God. That truth, reminding us of God's Word, causes us to see God, to begin to have a confident expectation of God as we believe it. He'll remind us, but we've got to believe it. And when we believe it, this empowerment comes in our lives to be ambassadors for Jesus, to be lights in the darkness, to be overwhelmingly more than conquerors. And I've got to tell you right now, I am, I am just struggling because I want so badly for every one of you to get this and cause it to be so infectious and so something that you desire to experience like never before. I told the, first, the people in the first service a few months ago, God, God really began to speak to my heart and, and have me pray. I pray for you. I pray for you here. I pray for people I don't even know that are online. That God would impact lives. That lives would be changed for eternity. But something God began to stir in me was that there would be a hunger, that, that God would bring a hunger to the lives of the people here for Him, for His Word, for His righteousness, for His ways, that we would long for Him. That there would be a change of, of desires and appetites where, and He was showing me in my life, there were things that I was desiring and I wanted to pursue and, and He helped me to see that they're okay, but they wouldn't produce in your life what time with me would time in my word would. And so I, I began to pray, and I am praying, and I am believing that there is going to be a new hunger, a new desire for God, for His word, for His presence, for His power, for His, His provision, for intimacy and inner interaction in our lives like never before. Because as we have that, the impact on our lives will continue to ripple through our, our community and our society and our families.
And I've realized, you know, something that, that's happened in my life is as I've grown older, I've been more willing to try different things as far as foods. And I've developed tastes for things that I never had a taste for before. And God was, was helping me understand that I could do that spiritually. I could develop a taste, a desire, a craving, a longing for God if I would just feed him. You know, you and I can feed anything. We can feed our lusts or we can feed our love for God. It's up to us. And so I just, I just have been praying and I'm believing that we're going to see this revival that's going to happen in us. It needs to start in us. That there is a new hunger, a new thirst, a new desire, a new longing, a new love for God like never before. And it would never end until we see Him or we go to be with Him. It's like every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, you, you may be here today and say, or be online and say, you know, that's just too radical for me. That's too, too all in for me. I want you to know God went all in for you. Didn't hold anything back. And the only way we're going to experience all that he has for us is to give ourselves completely to him. John the Baptist said it this way. I must decrease and he must increase. And that sounds like I'm going to lose everything. But the truth is, you're going to lose the things you need to have lost a long time ago and gotten rid of. And you're going to gain who you really are, who God really created you to be. And experience a joy and a peace and a hope, a confident expectation when you face things that at one time were overwhelming to you, you'll not be overwhelmed. You'll overcome. And maybe you've never trusted Christ. But that's just a choice away. It all begins with Him. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the one that turns lives around and makes us whole, gives us hope. And if you today have never trusted in Christ, turn to Christ, recognize His sacrifice on the cross for you and received His forgiveness and received Him as Lord, today is the day of salvation. And I want to pray with you. And I would invite you to pray this prayer with me. We're all going to pray together. You at home, if you have never trusted Christ, today can be a new beginning for you to be able to experience a real hope, a real joy, a real peace in your life like never before because Jesus, the Prince of Peace, will come into your life and begin to partner with you to lead you in an abundant life. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into this world, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. 
Lord Jesus, today I repent. I turn to you to trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Lord Jesus, guide me, guard me, and govern me. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. And we celebrate. It's, it's, it's pales in comparison to what's going on in the throne room of God. The Bible says that God's throne room rejoices. The whole of the kingdom of God rejoices over one turning back to God. And if you did that today, if you prayed here and, and received Christ as your Lord, let somebody know. And you may say, well, I don't know anybody here. That's a little weird. It, it may be weird, but I want you to know the reaction you're going to get from whoever you tell is, that's awesome. That's great. I'll be praying for you. And if you prayed online, go to our website. Let us know that you prayed. Uh, reslifeny.org. Scroll down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you, we're going to pray for you anyways. But if you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. If you want to be contacted, give us some contact information and we'll do it uh, this coming week. God is so good. God has great things ahead. The best is yet to come. In a world that's going downhill, God is raising up the church in this hour in glory and in power to be able to show the world what is possible when Jesus comes into somebody's life. You are his ambassadors. You're about ready to go on your missions field. When you leave these doors, you're headed out to where God has for you to be the salt and the light. That is exciting. I got to tell you one thing. Go ahead and stand. I got an email from somebody in the church. Uh, a couple was sitting in a restaurant and uh, they were being reminded by God of how, you know, God wants us to interact with people. And the booth behind them, there were some people, young people that were uh, just bashing Christians, saying how bad they were. And, and uh, they were wondering what they should do. And they were asking God. And the Lord said, buy their dinner. Remember, when we love people, it's the goodness of God that leads them in repentance. And we're supposed to bless people no matter what. That blessing of God. And so they talked to the waiter and the waiter brought them the check and they paid for their, their, their meal. There were four of them over there. And these are folks that, that, you know, this was a stretch for them. They did what they did by faith, trusting God. And they went up and said, listen, we, we heard, we weren't eavesdropping, but we heard that you were talking about Christians. We want you to know that we love God. We're Christians. And God loves you, and we paid for your meal. And all of a sudden, everything changed. These people all of a sudden realized what they had said wasn't true about every Christian. You know, that's what we're here to do. I, I've given Christianity a bad name by the things I've done in the past. We've all done that. I'm not alone. But I'm not looking to do that anymore. I'm looking to help them see the God of love who has given everything for them. Amen? As you walk through these doors, even before you get there, you can bless people before you get out of this room. And our week is full of blessings from God 
and through us to those that God loves that don't know him yet. Amen? Father, I thank you for every one of your children here. I thank you for your presence with them. I thank you for your power available to them, unequaled, unerring, and unending, that they walk with you and for you, revealing you to your children and those that are becoming your children. Father, thank you for pouring into us your love. Thank you for imparting and empowering us through your spirit. And Father, thank you for the new longing and desire for your word, for your presence, for your plan. We bless you and praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.